In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I was headed out early this past Saturday to enjoy the CEO turkey opener. Planned on making a weekend out of it and was going to backpack in north of the Powder River. As I was making my way down the winding road along the river, I saw a woman waving her arms frantically running down the side of the road. To preface, there was an absolute lack of cell service, total dead spot, and it was pitch black, 4.15 a.m., as I pull up alongside the woman and roll down my window, I can see the blood on her face and what looked like a broken nose. She starts screaming that her boyfriend is trying to kill her, and she needs help getting away now. I make a panicked snap judgment and let her in the truck. As we pull off and I look for a spot to turn around and head back into town, she starts screaming again and points at a car sitting on the side of the road. It's my boyfriend. You have to get me away from him. So I rip a U-turn and speed back into town. He follows me for a mile or so, not like aggressively, just following behind. I reach a light that is red and just run that ep. He stays behind at the light. 
She tells me that I can take her back to the hotel she was staying at, but I asked if her boyfriend knew that she was staying there, which she said yes. So obviously I can't take her there. I ask if she has any family in the area, and it turns out her grandparents were about an hour away, which was no problem given the situation. The next hour as we drive, she details three years of absolute horror with this guy. Now I am 25 and have no children, but it was bringing me tears hearing what was done to her. At the end, we get to her grandparents' house, and her brother came out, shook hands, and told him what I saw. Seemed that he was ready to murder the guy. Felt comfortable leaving her and went on my way. Never know what you will run into away from the city before dawn. It was dead of winter. At my grandparents' home before I was born, my grandma and uncles were home. This man knocks on the door. Black hat, trench coat, black medium-length stringy hair, super pale, dead-looking eyes. My grandma opens the door and wasn't the type of person to turn anyone away based on appearance. He didn't speak, however, so she went to go grab some paper and a pen for him to write on. My uncle went to the door, looked at him, and simply said, I'm not afraid of you. The man turned around, walked out of the door, and left no trace whatsoever. He instantly vanished. No footsteps or anything. No car was around. He simply was gone. When I was little at my parents' house, I would see this man in reflection sometimes. One time my brother saw a man looking like that, standing inside and looking out of my bedroom window on the second story. And nobody was home. This man wasn't a shadow. He resembled a human being, however. Was far from it. Some speculate he is a demon. I'm a United States soldier. This was a day like any other as we traveled through the dense forest in our convoy descending a nearby logging road. We had heard rumors about strange creatures in the area, but none of us had ever seen any evidence ourselves, so we didn't think much of it. As we approached a quarry, I suddenly caught sight of something extraordinary. Three massive bipedal hominids covered in black or very dark brown hair from head to foot were standing near the edge of the clearing. The middle creature was the tallest, about seven to eight feet tall, and it was flanked by two slightly shorter ones, standing around six to seven feet tall. I couldn't believe my eyes. The tallest creature stood very still, while the other two seemed to rock side to side, shifting their weight from one foot to the other. They appeared to be observing our convoy with great interest. I wasn't the only one who saw these creatures. Sergeant Jeff Martin... Another member of our convoy had actually witnessed the same three beings about thirty minutes earlier. He had observed them leaving the quarry, and they had moved with a graceful, fluid, glide-like stride accompanied by exaggerated arm swings. Sergeant. Martin noted how they seemed to cover an impressive amount of distance with just a few steps. We were all astonished by our encounter with these elusive creatures. It was clear that they were intelligent and curious and they seemed to have a keen interest in our movements. We couldn't help but wonder what they were thinking as they watched us from a distance. As we continued our journey, the sighting left a lasting impression on all of us. We couldn't shake the feeling that we had just witnessed something truly extraordinary, a glimpse into a world that few people ever get the chance to see.
It was February 6, 1993, and I decided to head back to the same area where I had encountered something strange before. This time, I was accompanied by Jennifer, Chris, Don, and my girlfriend. We were all curious to see if we could find any evidence of the mysterious creature with amber glowing eyes I had seen previously. We found ourselves near a dump just east of the Bergsvik Creek fish hatchery. It was said that maybe Bigfoot scooped fish from the hatcheries, which piqued our curiosity even more. The day before, there had been a massive storm with winds reaching up to 80 miles per hour. As a result, we had to drive slowly due to the broken limbs scattered across the road. As dusk approached, we were about 150 yards from the dump when the mysterious creature appeared again. It walked behind our car, and I could see it clearly through the backup lights. The amber glowing eyes were unmistakable. It looked like the same creature I had seen before as I recognized the gray colors on its body. The next day, we decided to return to the scene with a police officer and his German shepherd dog, hoping to find some evidence of the creature's presence. However, as soon as we arrived, the dog refused to get out of the truck. There was a strong, dead smell in the air that seemed to frighten the dog. Though our encounter was brief, it left us all with a sense of wonder and excitement. We couldn't help but think about the possibility of a mysterious creature like Bigfoot roaming the woods in our area. Our experience served as a reminder that there are still many unknowns in this world, and sometimes the most unexpected moments can turn into unforgettable adventures. I was living in Cook City for a summer, staying at a friend's parents' cabin with him. It's right by Yellowstone. My friend and I worked opposite shifts, so I hiked every day and most of the time by myself. Of the forty or so hikes I did that summer, I rarely saw another person. The town has a population of maybe two hundred. I drove to one of my favorite spots and was about two miles in, and I saw a woman maybe a half mile down the trail from me. She was just standing there, and I assumed she was looking at the scenery. She didn't move at all until I was a few hundred yards from her, and she turned and was looking at me. She was dressed in far too warm of clothing for the day, but to each their own. When I was probably 200 feet from her, she waved, and I waved back. As I got closer, I started to feel uneasy, so I sat down for a minute to decide if I should turn around and run from her or just get past her so I could get to my desired point on the trail. I decided I'd power past her. I got up to continue my hike, and she was gone. Just disappeared. This is the kind of trail where you can see clearly for most of the path, and there is nowhere to disappear to. I decided to head back home and turn around, and she was on the other side of the trial that I had just come from. I needed to get the hell out of there. So I started walking as fast as I could. She waved again, and I didn't reciprocate this time. I put my head down and booked as quick as I could down the trail. When I got to where she should have been, she was gone. Again, I started running back to my car. The whole run back, and I'm not a runner. I felt like I was being watched. Got to the lot and my car was the only one there and someone had put a stack of rocks on my car. There were 13 of them, which is my favorite number. Small rocks. It was the creepiest thing I've ever encountered on a hike. After that day, I didn't make it through the rest of the summer. I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched all the time. At work, 
when I was in bed in my car walking through the town. I left that weekend. It was hot that day, so maybe my mind was just playing tricks on me. Maybe one of the locals put the rocks on my car to play a prank on me. I don't spook easily. As a result, many, many years later, I still don't like hiking by myself. Late to the game, but a couple of years ago, I was in my house alone, pregnant with my puppy. My husband worked nights, so I was usually alone. I usually text him throughout the night, and I went to the bathroom and saw someone at the door trying to open it. Our front door had a glass design on it, so you could see partially inside the house. I started walking towards the door because I thought it was my husband. I was in the hallway and noticed he was having trouble opening it, and my husband texted me. I said, are you not outside trying to open the door? He says, no, immediately I tell him someone is trying to break into the house. I called 911. The girl tells me to hang up and call the sheriff Dept. At this time, the guy is trying to break down the door. I hid in the closet with my puppy in my arms. My husband works 15 minutes away, and he got there before the sheriff. He was pretty scared, and I was shaken up. Never again. We have knives galore. Our blue healer puppy is a straight-up beast, and we have an arsenal of guns, protection, and hunting. I feel safe even with just my dog. Turns out the guy who was trying to break into my house was arrested for breaking into another house and sexually assaulting a minor. Grew up in the middle of nowhere. We used to have a smoke spot near an abandoned farmhouse about a half a mile out of town. It was a neat old house that you couldn't see from the road. It was surrounded on all sides by cornfields, and there were lots of trees to block the view. There was always a well-tended garden behind it. It had tomatoes, corn, peas, and that sort of stuff. We all assumed that it belonged to someone we knew or their relative who didn't have the space in town. One day, the fire department came and burned the house down to practice their firefighting skills. My friends and I gathered together later and started talking about it. We realized then that no one knew who the property belonged to and that no one knew who had the garden there. We went back the next day, and there was no trace of the garden anymore. It was like it had never been there at all. We were all just there the week before and saw it. Now it was just overgrown weeds and bushes. The only thing that we recognized was an old metal white lawn chair that was always sitting upright near the end of the garden was still there. It was lying on its side, half buried in the dirt. We all agreed that no one would ever believe us, and I don't talk about it much. It still gives me the chills. My buddy was bear hunting a few years back, north Cascades along the Canadian border. They end up dropping into a valley 500 feet down and are getting into where the alpine meadows roll into the tree line. Probably only a half mile off trail, but nobody but a hunter would drop in down there in search of something. And not every hunter would do that. Most just glass from the trail. Anyway, they're hiking along and come across an open patch of sand in the meadow, and they look down, and here's this footprint. Not a boot print, a footprint. There was only one of them, and here us the real creepy part. He said it was small, like a child's. Got a real uneasy feeling after that. 
Now there's plenty of drug trafficking and rumor of hidden pot fields up in these parts. Since you could hike stuff across the border if you really wanted to, I guess. I've heard rumor of seeing teams of people that looked like they were out of place hiking these mountains. This area is only about three miles from the Canadian border and it's a sea of wilderness on either side. The fact there was only one footprint and it was a child's bare foot makes you really wonder. I laced up my hiking boots, ready for another adventure in Yosemite National Park. As an avid hiker from Arizona, I couldn't resist the allure of the park's breathtaking landscapes. Joining me was my friend from Texas, equally enthusiastic about exploring the beauty of nature. We embarked on a secure trail, basking in the tranquility of the surroundings. The crisp mountain air rejuvenated our spirits as we engaged in lively conversation, exchanging stories and admiring the scenery. Along the way, we encountered fellow hikers and campers forming brief connections with like-minded adventurers. As we continued along the path, absorbed in our friendly banter, a peculiar sound broke through the calm. It was akin to a coyote's howl, but with an unnerving thickness that sent a shiver down my spine. Curiosity got the better of us, and we decided to investigate the source of sound straying from the familiar trail. Venturing deeper into the woods, the air... Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It grew dense with mystery. The sunlight struggled to penetrate the thick canopy above, casting an eerie glow on our surroundings. The sense of being lost in the heart of Yosemite heightened our senses, making us acutely aware of every rustle and hushed whisper of the forest. Then my eyes widened with disbelief as I caught a glimpse of movement amidst the shadows. It stood tall, towering at about eight feet, its body adorned in a dark gray hue with hints of brown. Its appearance was both majestic and unsettling. A shaggy mane, Reminiscent of a male lion encircled its head, while the hair on its body and legs was shorter and more coarse. To my astonishment, it moved with an unnatural grace, walking upright on its back legs. A mix of awe and curiosity consumed us as we cautiously approached the enigmatic creature. Determined to capture evidence of this astonishing encounter, we reached for our cameras. However, the creature sensed our presence and, with a sudden burst of speed, disappeared into the depths of the forest, leaving us in awe and disappointment. Pulling up the photo on the camera's screen, our hopes were dashed as we were met with a blurry image. The creature's form eluded our capture, leaving only a vague impression of its magnificence. Yet, despite the blurred evidence, our hearts were filled with the thrill of witnessing something truly extraordinary. With a tinge of regret, we retraced our steps and found our way back to the secure trail. The disappointment of the missed opportunity lingered, but the memories of that encounter, however fleeting, would forever be etched in our minds. As we emerged from the woods, 
The familiar sights and sounds of the park greeted us, providing solace and a sense of familiarity. Yosemite, with its grandeur and mysteries, had shown us a glimpse of the unknown, reminding us that the natural world still held secrets that could captivate and challenge our understanding. With a renewed appreciation for the wonders of nature, we continued our hike, cherishing the journey, the stories we shared, and the boundless possibilities that lie ahead in our adventures in the wilderness. I was with a group touring the Red Woods in California. The path split. One stayed at floor level, the other cut up onto a mountain and brought you about halfway up the trees. The tour was full of older people, so they all stayed on the floor level, but I absolutely had to go. I'm up on the mountain path by myself, just soaking in the gorgeous scenery, listening to chipmunks, squirrels jumping and climbing trees, birds chirping, smelling that earthy air, admiring how high I was, how tall the trees still towered above me, and focusing on getting good shots with my camera. Suddenly, I froze. Something wasn't right. I realized it was completely silent around me. The only thing I could hear was my own breath and the sound of my heartbeat in my ears. The sound that a predator was in the vicinity. I looked down, but I was too high to see the lower trail. There really wasn't anything I could do. I stowed my camera in my bag and quickly, without running so as to enable a chase, continued down the trail. Sounds I could hear in the distance silenced as I drew nearer. I was terrified. I always knew hiking alone leads to the possibility of animal mauling. I'm a realist, but in that moment, I just wasn't ready to die. Suddenly birds started immediately singing around me, and I could hear kids laughing and parents yelling at them to slow down. I turned and saw three young boys running up the rocks. I think their sudden loud presence startled whatever it was that was nearby. Most likely some sort of mountain cat. I have never felt a greater sense of relief rush over me in my entire life, including the almost car accidents I avoided. I remember rejoining the group, blood still pumping from adrenaline. I remember snippets of the gift shop. The other people all asked me how the view was, and if I saw anything good. I remember saying the view was great, lots of little wildlife, but inside I was still a mess. I didn't want to say what had happened. The rest of that tour is a blur. I just couldn't focus. I remember everything I saw before that, but only random bits and pieces of after. Weird how something like that affects you. Now, let me tell you about my next story. This one's nowhere near as hair-raising as the other one, but here it goes. This one is from many years ago, from when I was a preteen, early teens. I was fishing with my dad and brother and dad's bass boat on a lake in Kentucky. We were night fishing for largemouth and had a decent night so far. Well, I get the usual tap-tap. So I set the hook hard, and though I was hung up, so dad takes the rod to see if he can get it loose when it starts moving. He hands the rod back, thinking, I've got a large cat or maybe a possible lake record bass. So here I am in a stalemate with something big on the other end. I would gain a little line. It would strip it back off. This goes on for about ten minutes, although for me it seemed like an eternity. When I finally get the edge and whatever it is coming up, I get it to the surface and Dad yells out, Cut the line now. 
I asked him why and refused when made out what it was he had swore I had hooked a body when in turn it was very large snapping turtle. The turtle bit my jig and I had managed to set the hook in the turtle's fleshy part of the mouth. One night, when we were out camping in Alabama, we saw an aircraft hanging over us. We weren't all that far from Montgomery, so we figured it was just a helicopter or something. The only problem was it didn't make any noise. There was no alcohol or drugs involved during our trip, so everyone was sober. My cousin got the idea to call his dad, who worked for the Air Force. My uncle was up in the control tower checking radars, and he said there was a blip but there was no flight information about it. The aircraft slowly started to move over us, and we still heard no noise. There was only a breezy downdraft from it. My uncle called us back and said they were launching two fighter jets to check it out. By this time, the strange aircraft moved away, and we could just barely see the lights through the trees. Maybe three minutes later, the jets flew over a couple of times. When we got home, my uncle said they never saw anything out there and the ship disappeared from their radars by the time the jets were in flight. I have two stories. Hope I'm not too late to the party. I would like to preface this by saying that I think my dog is my guardian angel. I was camping in Gloucester, Mississippi on the Audubon's property when I was about six. We went with a group of entomologists and they took up the whole main house so we had to camp out in the forest. When we woke in the morning, my father left to go to the main house to get some breakfast. He left me in the tent with our dog and drove about four to five miles back. I was trying to go back to sleep when I was awoken to my dog growling and looking more freaked out than she had ever before. I heard something brushing itself up against the tent, going around and around. I grabbed my dog and pulled her into my sleeping back as I quietly wept, watching and listening as something was creeping around. As it began pushing against the tent harder and harder, I began to audibly sob, at which point I heard its terrible scream. It was a mountain lion. My dog kept growling and I kept crying for what seemed like hours. Finally I heard my dad pull up in his old truck. I told him, and to this day, he does not believe me. He's one of those see-it-to-believe-it type of people. But my next story is something that started to make him believe. My dad used to take our dog with when he worked as a self-employed contractor in the uptown area of New Orleans. After work, he and my dog picked me up, so upon arriving to our house, it was approximately midnight. Our house is quite old and used to be owned by one of the members of the Marcelo family. The way the house is set up is the driveway is on the right side of the home, and as you go through the garage, it leads to our kitchen and then our dining room and living room and so forth. As soon as we unlocked the door, it was like we could feel it. Something was off, and my dog could tell it, too. She started growling and was tugging at her leash. My dad shouted out, asking if anyone was there. We approved the dining room, which held an old circular table that came with the house. The table had around eight heavy chairs around it. As we got closer, my dog was no longer trying to get at something, but instead pulling away. I picked her up, and just as I did, one by one, all of the dining room chairs pulled back and the lights flipped off. After a few seconds, the lights flipped back on, and I looked at my dad. We both had astonished looks on our faces. I knew, since it had startled him, it was really something strange and cried. I cannot give any logical explanation as to why that happened. 
My boyfriend and I were driving through the mountains in Colorado, close to Copper Mountain, actually. It was the middle of the day, and we were listening to music, but we were both silent. Through the windshield, I noticed a bright circular light hovering at the same elevation of the surrounding canyon walls, probably 12,000 feet or approximately 3,000 feet above the highway. I watched it for 15, 20 seconds. All of a sudden, it shot up and disappeared from view. My boyfriend said that he looked over and saw my face and knew I saw it, too. I think both of our jaws dropped. Now, I don't necessarily believe that a UFO means we witnessed anything extraterrestrial, but we definitely saw an unidentified flying object. I mean, Cheyenne Mountain is only about two half hours away from this spot. This happened a few years back, maybe four or five on a summer night, sleeping in my room, windows closed in a rural mountain area, but with plenty of houses and people around. It was maybe a Saturday night, the party night in the city. A very clear girl scream woke me up. It was coming from the road, I assume, and about 50, 60 meters away from my house. She screamed three or four times, very loudly, and I didn't hear anything else. Being a rural, quiet area, that was creepy and clearly not something that would happen without some major event around it. I just assumed they were teenagers coming back from a club and maybe playing around, but I've got nasty, creepy feeling that someone got kidnapped or worse right next to my house that night. It haunts me to this day that I never did anything, not even getting up and trying to look outside and maybe spot some car lights. I blame it on my sleepiness, maybe. The whole memory of it scares me to this day. Did not hear anything about it the next day, though. In 2008, my wife and I left California on a 40-feet sailboat intending to sail as far west as we could. We spent weeks at a time without contact with another human being. Shortwave radio was often our only link to civilization, and eventually we were too far south and west even for that. We passed New Caledonia and didn't know what to expect as we approached Australia in the third year of our tour. Of course, the Great Barrier Reef was on our charts, but we were sticking to shipping lanes to avoid grounding. So I was stunned when I took watch one calm morning and noticed a low, dark brown shape on the horizon. To the west and south, there seemed to be a massive sandbar or island that had risen out of nowhere. The sea was calm and the winds light, so we cranked the engine and motored the last mile to this uncharted barrier. As we got closer, it became clear that it fortunately wasn't above the surface, but it looked like a brown reef or bar or a mass of logs that was only a few inches below the surface. But how could a reef so massive not exist on any chart? We swerved left and right looking for channels or breaks in the bar, but our depth sounder stayed pegged so we had nothing to guide us through. We had no way of asking anyone whether it was safe to proceed, so when the reef no longer had any gaps to aim for, we tentatively poked the bow into it with the engine in neutral. No grinding, no shudder, just silence as the reef enveloped us. And our finicky depth sounder still stared back at us blankly, so I ran to the transom, intending to put on a mask and look below, but then I saw that it was just a brownish tint to the water some chemical or brown oil. Wary that it was a dangerous chemical spill or weapons test gone wrong, 
I dipped the bottle into it and tried to sample it without getting any on my hands. We continued puttering through this ocean of brown for miles before it eventually dropped away behind us as abruptly as it had appeared. I went ashore with my sample and intended to ask customs agents about it. The other sailors at the dock were oblivious. They'd not seen anything like it on their passage, never in their years of sailing these waters. But luckily, a wizened old man at the dock set me straight before I went insane with conspiracy theories. Turns out we just caught the Great Barrier Reef in its annual orgy. The brown color to the water was the spore of the reef that it releases all at once across the entire continental shelf of Australia. And this year in Queensland, we had calm weather with little churning to dissipate the massive cloud of light. 